1: The Buckoff Podcast with Land Grant Holy Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome in Buckeye Nation. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bring you another episode of the Buckoff Podcast with Land Grant, Holy Land. I'm here as always with Jordan Williams in this bye week open week uh how you doing today Jordan uh how do you feel about the name like the argument a lot of journalists like the term open week but most football guys still really go back to bye week
0: so I heard this like for the first time today on a podcast I was listening to I didn't know this was an argument I don't know why it's an argument it's just it's a bye week like what is what's
1: yeah you don't know. I, like, I don't know why, why people feel like they need to change terms all the time, you know? I, I feel like bye week's been such a ingrained term in college football in the NFL. And I know in the NFL they say it's different because, like, everyone has a bye week. But everyone in college football has an off week as well. And it serves the same purpose. Like, do they call it an open week because you could still schedule a game? I don't know. That's kind of where I'm lost in this argument.
0: I don't, I don't get it. I, would li- literally never heard of it until I was listening to a podcast today, and someone had mentioned it and saying they prefer to use the term "idle week" or something like that. I'm just like, but what did bye week ever do to anybody? Yeah, it like, means the same thing. Like, why do we
1: have to go and change something that doesn't even really affect anybody? It's just like a term used to say that team's not playing. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not. As- it's really uncomplicated, and, you know, the, th- the best part about bye weeks is we get to kind of go back to our off-season shows where we just kind of talk about whatever comes across our screen, whatever we want to talk about today, and that's kind of what we're getting into today. Uh, we've got some first-half awards we're going to give out, some MVPs, some surprise players, our favorite play, most underrated Buckeyes so far, and then we're going to give out some position grades in the second half of the show, uh, and we're going to take a look at Ohio State's second-half schedule and then the Outlook for the Big Ten and the Championship Outlook. And then we'll close out the show with some keys to the second half of the season. But as we get started, uh, I just kind of wanted to get both our feelings out there on how this first half went, you know, kind of in a Ohio State sense and then in a sense on the national landscape. Because we both know, like, this year's been absolutely wild, absolutely bananas. We saw what happened this weekend in the SEC All across the country, there's upsets everywhere. And I I think Ohio State's poised to make a run right now. And I kind of wanted to get your feelings on how the first half went, not only for Ohio State, but in college football in general.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. From the fan perspective, it's like, it could have been better. But honestly, and this is revisionist thinking, because I didn't say this was going to happen. I think if you really look at the team, right, you look at all the players we lost the last two years, the Chase Youngs, you know, the Justin Fields, um, like all of the talent, all of the leadership. You look at the players who we had back who had never broken out at any point. I think this was kind of what was going to happen. And like, no one predicted it because it's Ohio State. Um, and I, I definitely didn't pick, pick it, like I already said, but I don't think it's surprising that they lost the game. I don't think it's surprising that they struggled. I don't think it's surprising that they, you know, got back to being Ohio State. Um, so, you know, I think from the fan perspective, you could be upset, you could prefer you know, to be undefeated and to have looked dominant from day one. Um, Some people are going to be concerned about the playoffs and that kind of stuff. That stuff's already happening. And ultimately, like, you know, it's going to be very, very, very hard for them to leave a Big Ten champion out of the playoffs. And I know it's happened before, so that's fine. But typically when it happens, there are multiple undefeated teams or there's a bigger brand. Like they're choosing Clemson over Ohio State. There's no Clemson. OU is not a bigger brand. So I think this has been the first half for me. My feelings are encouraged. Uh, The loss sucks, but I think sometimes you need to lose. And I think they learned more from that loss than they would have by being dominant um, against everyone else. I think – But mostly, and this will show out in some of our awards, mostly I'm encouraged for the future. I think this is going to be a really, really good team. First in the stretch run, because six games is a lot. Getting six, seven, eight, nine games under your belt, players are totally different. But also for the next couple of years, I think nationally, this is one of the most enjoyable football seasons I've ever watched. You know what I mean? Like from every level, from... Clemson, which is a personal thing for me, not being good to Bama, looking like Bama, and then not like Georgia, who is my second favorite team because I've always disliked Georgia. Like all of the upsets, the losses, the the shakeups. There's so much to talk about. Like arguing about the the polls and who's doing what, and one team looks good, then they get blown out, then they blow someone out. Like Texas A&M being a title contender, then being unranked. Like it's five Big Ten teams in the top ten, like, I think this is one of the most entertaining seasons I've seen in a very, very long time. And I'm literally loving every second of it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you because, you know, Texas A&M is, like, the perfect example of how this season has unfolded for, I want to say, like, almost every single team in the country outside of, like, I want to say the top three who are unbeaten. But Texas A&M fell off the face of the map looked awful for four straight games comes into Alabama or doesn't Alabama comes to visit them in Aggie land and they upset them. And you know, everyone was like, Alabama going to come back and win this game. Alabama came back to took the lead, but the chaos didn't end there. Texas A&M answered immediately with the best offensive drive they've ever had. And that's just kind of like a microcosm of what brings the best stuff out of college football, you know, and, you know, to get my take on the first half of Ohio state season before we get into more national stuff. I I really think, uh, you're right. Uh, revisiting it. This probably should have been expected, but I think a lot of us drank the Kool-Aid bought into the hype train of a lot of these guys, uh, you know, Stroud with the injury kind of let things down a little bit, you know, the defense not coming together, but I think I said it after the Oregon game, uh, I think some teams a loss that early in the year is exactly what you need because I think a lot of the players came in and just expected it to be easy because they're Ohio state. And a lot of these players have been part of really great teams with a lot of great players, but when they needed to step up and be great players, they got punched in the mouth by Oregon. Uh, Kerry Combs had to look in the mirror because he didn't have Justin Fields on the other side, outscoring opponents, you know, Sometimes losses are blessings in disguise. And I know everyone was like, oh, my God, the playoff is out. That was week two. And people were saying Ohio State's not making it to the national title. And uh, we came on the show. We were the voices of reason. And we're like, it's week two. Like, crazy stuff's going to happen. If the team continues to improve, and we said we needed to see some changes on the defense, we saw those changes. So I think – we're both very encouraged going into that final stretch. And I think looking at the conference at the end, kind of the outlook of it, I'm not really intimidated by Iowa. Their offense can't move the ball half the time. I'm not really intimidated by Michigan. Uh, They have been skating by against mid-tier conference opponents. You know, Michigan State, uh, they didn't record a first down in the second half of their game against Nebraska. So they have flaws. And the only team I've seen without flaws is Ohio State the last two games. And it was against Rutgers in Maryland. But one of your biggest signs, and you say it all the time, is how do you play against Rutgers in Maryland? Do you blow them out? Do you let them hang around? And Ohio State took care of business.
0: I, I agree 100%. Um, I just think, like like, okay, first of all, I said from day one that Alabama wasn't going to be that good this year. Now, that's relative to Alabama. Not that good for them is, like, A one loss, I like. Yeah, eleven and one's relatively bad for them. Yeah, or making the playoff as a four seed or missing the playoff, right? Um, So I'm happy about that. But um, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between losing in week two and losing in week six. It's just simple math. If you lose in week two, you have ten games. (laughs) You have 10 games to try to fix your issues, right? And obviously, you don't want to use the entire 10, but you have them. You lose in week six. You have six games. It's a lot less. Also, Ohio State's schedule was weird. They played two tough opponents in the beginning. Uh, That's one of the benefits to their schedule. They had some, quote-unquote, weaker opponents to get better. Alabama, their flaws came up during the SEC schedule. I'm not saying that they're going to lose again because they're probably not, but it's a lot harder to fix those issues when you're playing in the SEC schedule or the Big Ten schedule or just conference in general than it is in week two. So for that reason alone, Ohio State's in a better position because it's week six and they look like they fixed all their issues. They learned the mistakes. They fixed their coaching staff. They had to ask the tough questions. Maybe it was a fluke. The game didn't look like a fluke. They got dominated. But Nick Saban, a lot of people try to be mad at Nick Saban and say all this kind of stuff. But like, if you really listen to what he's talking about and like look past the like, grandpa, get off my lawn, he knows what he's talking about. And he hasn't been happy after any of these victories. And he literally said, I think it was last week, there's a reckoning coming. And I know it's, like, easy to ignore him because, like, you're Alabama. You're beating everyone. But it's like he knew his team wasn't that good. He probably would have preferred to lose in week two or week three than week six because now he has to ask the tough questions, and his players have to wake up and realize, dang, we're not just Bama. We can't just beat everyone. So looking at Ohio State's first half and the feelings, we lost. But it was a quote-unquote good loss. Oregon is still ranked number nine. It's going to, like, something crazy is going to happen for them to not be ranked at all. So it's – Alabama's is not a good loss. It's SEC bias, but, like, when it finally comes down to it, they lost to an unranked team with multiple losses.
1: I Like, like, let's, like, take it out even further. Like, which team – has shown that they don't have a weakness. Like, even Georgia against Clemson, they couldn't throw the ball. You know, like, against a good defense, they couldn't pass or run. So, offensively, they're challenged. You know, Iowa, we've seen it. They're terrible on offense. Cincinnati, you know, their two wins. uh, Indiana was a good win when it happened, and then it's not really as good a win anymore. So, we take a look at, like, the AP Top 25. Like, there are a ton of teams in the Top 10 who aren't perfect. So that's exactly the type of year. And I'm going to go back to something you say all the time. When does Ohio State win national championships?
0: In years, no one expects them to. Every single time, which is actually super frustrating as a fan. And I've almost convinced myself they're going to win it this year. Not because I believe they should, but because they shouldn't, which means they will. Because they should win it next year or the year after. And if they win next year or the year after, that's going to be the first time they've ever won a national championship when they were supposed to. Yeah, Because they weren't supposed to in 2014. They weren't supposed to in 2002. Miami was supposed to blow them out the water. They were supposed to and four and maybe seven. Those are the right years. Right. And lost.
1: Yeah. Like uh, s- six and like eight, but yeah, still it six
0: and eight. Yeah. Florida and LSU, like two years later. Yeah. Whenever, whatever the years are like one, at least one of those, they should have won and didn't. Um So, yeah, I'm, who knows what happens? I'm just gonna say this: there's only there are very few teams I wouldn't feel comfortable either picking Ohio State to beat, or I would be surprised if they lost. Um, I think Ohio State and Coastal Carolina have like the only offense in the country Georgia would struggle to solve. The difference between Ohio State and Coastal Carolina is Ohio State's full of you know five stars, five stars. and Coastal Carolina is not.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we've seen like Georgia really struggle against really good offenses. So, like, historically, I don't know about this year because their defense is pretty absurd. But can Georgia score 35 points if
0: they give up 35
1: points? We haven't been able, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't even had to see that yet.
0: Yeah. And I literally tweeted it like, and this again, like, I want to clarify, this is not me saying that they're going to win it. I'm not there yet. I need to see them play some other people. But I literally tweeted, I said, I could see. Georgia keeping Ohio State 20 points under their season average and still losing because right now 20 points under Ohio State season average is like 30 points and Georgia's not putting up 30 even if it's 28 is Georgia putting up 30 if we score 28 like Ohio State I don't know that Ohio State's gonna run all over Georgia although also it wouldn't surprise me because as good as Georgia's defense is and they're spectacular and maybe they're the defense to break the mold Good offense beats good defense. Like, yeah, and we've seen that in almost every single playoff yeah. this year, or a, so far. Yeah, as a defensive guy, it's it's really frustrating because I prefer good defense, but like, good offense beats good defense. And Ohio State, the math is in Ohio State's favor if they can go through this tough Big Ten schedule, and if they can get there, and it's still an if. They still have a lot to. They still have a lot to do, and we're going to talk about it at some point. Our keys to the second half, like nothing is given, but if. This is going to be
1: the most earned Big Ten championship Ohio State's had in a while.
0: Yeah, it's not a cakewalk. But I also said this before. If Ohio State goes through this season unscathed the rest of it, they're in a very good position to win because they went through a gauntlet.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's funny. On the table right now, Like you know, this is kind of just a joke, but at the beginning of the year, if we talked about Cincinnati being ranked higher, than Ohio State at any point I would have called you crazy, and that's where we're at in this college football season. Just to put it in perspective,
0: yeah. So and that they deserve it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's absolutely been insane this year. First half feeling has me absolutely. I'm excited to first off watch some games this weekend without any stress, like of like Ohio State playing at all. Like that's going to be nice. We're just going to get to relax on a Saturday, take in some college football. see what everyone else is doing in the country. This is like a real opportunity for Ohio State fans to break away during what would be a game block for them and watch, watch, you know, watch other teams. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. So it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: No, I agree 100 percent. I am not going to get to watch that much football because I'm going on vacation, but it's vacation. So, like, I'm not going to complain about that.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a good uh, bye week for the Buckeyes. I think, you know, what we saw at the end is kind of the last thing is the defense was playing really good, consistent football. I guess what are your feelings and how much have they changed since the Oregon matchup when they got exposed in almost every single direction?
0: I mean, they've changed significantly. Uh, and we kind of talked about it before. I didn't like that people were like, you can't change your defense midseason. Yeah, you can. Like, it's, it's very possible. Like, I think people forget, like, I don't know. I think sometimes people think that you get to college and you start over with these players. And it's like, no, they've been playing these defenses for years. The hard part with designing a defense is, is the checks like remembering the names the checks like the rules because that changes but like the rule like cover two has been cover two forever cover three is cover three forever man coverage is man coverage forever there are slight differences do you align inside do you press what what number do but they didn't change that stuff now there is some repping it like you have to rep it to make sure you don't forget certain things but They didn't add complexity to the defense. They played different coverages and... They took away some of the things. Now, next year, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on next year, but next year, I would like to see them add to it and maybe get some cover four, cover six, cover nine, some like actual complexity, which yeah. that you have to teach, because you may not be playing cover six in 10th grade. But you played cover two. You played cover three. At We didn't play cover four when we were in high school, but today you probably play cover four. Like, so... They changed significantly, but it wasn't as complex as people made it think. And I think the biggest thing is you see the confidence in the players. Like, even Tommy Eichenberg played good the last game. Like, he made a play in the backfield, and I'm, like, shook. Like, literally, you made a joke on the last podcast, but it was so true. I thought his number was different. I literally asked. I said, who's who's number 35. Isn't Tommy 32? Like, I was so dead serious because I just, like, it didn't look like him. And I was confused because I was like, there's not another big white linebacker. But, like, that that doesn't look like Tommy. That's not who he – like, you know what I mean? So, like, everyone's making plays. Um, There's pass breakups. There's tackles behind the line. I mean, every single game – Yeah, touchdowns. But like we talked about it, like Ohio State When's We talked about this before the season. When's the last time you saw Ohio State's linebackers making tackles behind the line of scrimmage? That stuff's happening now because they're playing free. The defense is easier. And each and every single game, they're gaining confidence. And one of the best things about playing your Rutgers, your Maryland, your Akron, is it doesn't feel easy when you're playing. And the confidence is real. The confidence you get from playing them and playing well and knowing your keys and making plays last when you play your Michigan State, when you play your Michigan. So as a fan or a media or whatever, it's easy to say, oh, it's just Rutgers. But they still have to play the game. You can still get hurt. You can still get concussed. You can still get juked and put on a poster and all that other kind of stuff like they're not going out there saying, oh, it's just Rutgers. It didn't matter that I had 10 tackles. Like, no, this stuff matters. And so the defense is, it's different. And I think another benefit, their schedule is perfect this year. Another benefit to their schedule, especially with Indiana not being good, they get a bye week and another week to get better before they play pass. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's crazy. I think one point you brought up was they simplified things, number one, and number two, they stopped trying to make the personnel they had fit a defensive scheme that didn't work for that personnel. They stopped trying to put, I think Matt always says it, our, our editor, he always says it, they tried, They kept trying to put square pegs into round holes, as simple as it was. And then every single game we watched, the first, honestly, I want to say even the third game, there were tons of players checking Uh, you know, doing stuff like tapping the helmet, you know, all those little signs to show that they're changing something. And then half the players wouldn't know what to do. So they simplified the scheme. They simplified the check system. They simplified what they do against certain looks. And since then, it's a defense I'm confident in. You know, they haven't even really added anything complex. Like you said, it's simple cover three, cover two, cover two man under. You know, these simple coverages that, You know, you just if you have athletes like you do at Ohio State, that's all you need. And, you know, like you said, like if you're going to beat a guy like Steve Sarkeesian with Alabama's talent, you're probably going to need a little bit of complexity. You're going to need to throw in some wrinkles there. But, you know, by the time Ohio State takes on an offense that caliber again, it's probably not
0: going to be in Big Ten play. So yeah, but and but that's the thing, right? We're seeing some like we like. Sometimes I, I feel like we're like, you know, like we just know like we're uh, I don't know the word for it. We're all seeing or something because we literally talked about it. You had three games. This is the game we need to see a different blitz package. What they yeah. do, they had a different blitz package. They stunned it. They did stuff that we hadn't seen yet. Because you get comfortable and you get confident, and then you add on to it. They're not going to be playing the same defense against that they, against Michigan that they played against Tulsa. But also, my my biggest takeaway from the defense, my biggest, the thing that I am most happy about, is they watch film. And they learn from it and you yeah, every see week. it because nothing has happened twice. They have struggled with in-game adjustments, which is hard. But when you're making millions of dollars, you need to be able to adjust in game. I'm not taking them off the hook for that, but they never come back the next week and get beat by the same concept. I was screaming it off the top of my head that they allowed two touchdowns to Tulsa because they didn't play bracket coverage. And what did they do last week? They played bracket coverage. They played it perfectly and it didn't, and there wasn't a touchdown like though, like, and here's the thing. That's a minor change. Like, a lot of people may not know what that is. And so I tried to explain it on the podcast because it's not like a well-known thing. That's like a minor change for your coaching staff to look and be like, we don't like the way we're playing man coverage. Let's change this because they're attacking it. It's easy to see when people are getting outside of you because everyone in the entire country can see that. You can fix that. You can change things, but but also they're not stubborn. Because they could say, they could have easily said, that's how we play man coverage, be better. They could have easily said, that's how we defend the run, be better. Don't let them outside of it, you're a five-star. Instead, they said, nope, this is not working, switch it up. And that's what's most encouraging because I feel like, especially if they can get the end game adjustment piece, I feel like we're never going to see the same thing twice, which means they're always getting better.
1: Yeah, and I think that is the huge aspect. They're not just like – coaches they're coaching and adjusting you know adjustments that's what separates a really good coaching staff from a great coaching staff you know a lot of really good coaching staffs when they have all the pieces that fit for them they can make it work you know but to be a great coaching staff you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror say hey what i like to do is i'm working what can we do to make ronnie hickman one of the best safeties slash bullets, or I guess the hybrid safety in the, in the league. What can we do to make these freshman corners excel? What can we do to utilize Cam Martinez against certain teams? You know, they've looked at the mirror, they've made adjustments, they found personnel that works and that's extremely encouraging. I, I don't think you could really be mad at how far this defense has come. And I know I say this all the time, you know, people are going to laugh and they're going to say, Ooh, it was Rutgers. Ooh, it was Maryland. Those are both bowl. Uh, those teams are both going to be bowl eligible because I think they're going to own their West crossover opponents. And I I just think at the end of the day, uh, the big 10 East might get six out of seven teams into bowl games. That's no joke at all.
0: I mean, which one's not going to be a bowl game because I'd say I'm on the fence about right now. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, else is, everyone else is. Everyone else because they all started like four and zero, so they can they yeah. can they can stomach a couple big ten losses. Yeah, Indiana yeah. might not, but yeah, six out of. Do you know how crazy that is? Like six out of yeah. seven, like a bowl. So yeah, so it's very
1: encouraging. It's going to be a gauntlet too. So like Ohio State's going to earn everything this year. They've already had to earn it, and you know I loved what you brought up about the small changes in bracket coverage because like in my film reviews, sometimes I like to point out really small things. And a Marylander last week ran a read option and they played it perfectly and they set the edge and they had three players taking all three possible options for the play. Cause you know with that modern sort of triple option where they bring the tight end across on the quick out and then they have the read option. So it kind of turns into a quick triple option. Couldn't hand it off because guess who was there? Zach Harrison. Guess who filled correctly to take, uh, Talia Tagovaleo, seven banks filled correctly and set the edge there. And then Ronnie Hickman went with the tight end. So guess what? There was nowhere for any of them to go. Zach Harrison, uh, seven banks made a play in the backfield.
0: Yeah, and and someone else put this on Twitter, a clip. Or maybe it was in your film. I don't remember, but there was a clip going around. And someone, all they said was, that's how you feel. Because one of the corners, Cam, Seven, uh, Denzel, somebody, they came perfect outside leverage on an outside run. And they did make the tackle, but they forced it back inside. And that's why you need it. We weren't seeing that week one, like all these little things matter. And that's why sometimes, and I I, I don't get mad at people because it's hard. Understanding the intricacies of defense is not easy, especially if you've never played defense. So like, it can be easy not to like, like nerd out over the little things. Um, But the biggest thing, and I keep saying the biggest thing, but the one thing that everyone can see is effort. And I don't think there's anyone who's complaining about effort. I don't think there's any, like, there are still some issues with sacks. Like, it's not perfect. I think we've been, like, very, very positive. So, like, there's still some issues with the edge. We're not really getting sacks, especially because better offensive lines isn't going to let Haskell Garrett and Tyleek Williams, like, they're going to start double teaming them and stuff. Like, people have to start winning. Like, it's not all roses now, right? but things are getting even the pass rush while it's nowhere close to where it needs to be. It's looked better. I like think Zach they got has, five sacks against Maryland. Did they? I think so. Oh, that's weird. I, I mean, mean, it didn't feel like it, but I, but I, also I, like, even if it didn't feel like it, Talia talkable, they never had any time to throw comfortably. No, not at all. But that's, I, I'm so glad you said that because that just reminded me of something. What has been Ohio State's biggest thing on defense? You're right. They did have five. They had five sacks and nine tackles for a loss.
1: I think it was their best game in the backfield, honestly, and they
0: still have a lot of missed opportunities. Akron was better, but it was Akron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ohio State's biggest issue for years has been the quarterback run. I can't think of his name, but Akron's quarterback can run. Noah Vedro can run. Tolua, uh, Tug of Aloha can run. Nobody's gassed us in the running game. And nope. that's the other thing with sacks. Like, sometimes we're not getting them because they're not good. Uh, and sometimes we're not getting them because they're playing a contained rush, which is working for the first time ever. <laughs> because yeah, it's and, been four, like, and- if Chase Young didn't get to him 10, 15 yards off top. Like, he was just up the middle, 10, 15 yards. Like, And that's what happens with great interior defensive
1: line play. It's such an underrated aspect of the pass rush, especially in a contain rush. Because, you know, the first thing that could blow a contain rush is just the defensive tackles just coming up the field and opening up the middle.
0: Yeah. So there have been uh, a lot of positives for the defense uh, after a whole lot of negative. The one thing I have to say Is we haven't faced a running back Like uh, Mo Ibrahim So that's going to be our biggest test That's our next Um, test Is a really good running back Our biggest test is really Michigan State Because I think they're the best quarterback we have left Um, And the best running back we have left And they have some receivers You could take the top off of defense It's not the best receivers I think the best receiver is still going to be Jahan Dotson Um, Yeah, I think Penn State's group is probably the
1: best Yeah Yeah
0: Penn State has probably has the best group. Ty Freifogel may be the best individual wide receiver, although that doesn't matter because Michael Penix just can't seem to get him the ball.
1: He's got, you know, that joke on Twitter for like the last 15 years when a quarterback has a bad game. They put that Joe Bowser been passing chart and there's a bunch of, there's like one green circle for the completion (laughs) and there's X's all over the stands. That's been Michael Penix Jr. this year. Yeah. We're going to get interceptions that game that probably aren't going to come from good coverage. No. Denzel
0: Burke's going to get his second. I'm calling yeah, and, it. I need it.
1: And, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. But, yeah, I, I think it was just a really good I, – I think the vibes for sure changed around this team. I still think you have the doom and gloom part of the fan base that still don't think this team is there yet because of who Ohio State's played. But I do think they're still – Too many positives to ignore. And I don't, I mean, we can say it all we want. Like they didn't play any of the better teams in the conference, but wouldn't you rather have three really good games against shitty opponents where you're like, Hey, this team did exactly what they were supposed to for 12 quarters over three weekends. Like that is exactly what I wanted. And now there's a bye week So now you're going to get extra film to prepare for Indiana. The staff's going to get extra film to prepare for Penn state. And you're going to be able to put two of the best game plans out for the season uh, over your next two games against two relatively big opponents.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, Indiana is not having a good year. They're not a bad team. And I think people need to remember that. Indiana, like if Michael Penix has a, a game like he was having two years ago, they could beat us. They still have players. They still have a good coach. I'm not expecting that. Um, we'll talk about that more next week when we preview the game. But, yeah, so uh, Ohio State cannot rest easy at all. Uh, I would say to the fan base— For the base, next six games, honestly, you know, yeah. honestly, there's not an easy game left. No. I, w- I would say for the fan base um, who is doom and gloom, I would calm down on the doom and gloom a little bit, but you are not wrong for issuing valid concerns. Like— we still do have to see it. Like there is some truth to its records in Maryland. I just think that can be overblown because they're good teams and they're on scholarship too. And Ohio state always gets put people's best.
1: Yeah. I'm like, we could even compare it to the Dwayne Haskins. You're like, Ohio state be a way less talented Maryland team on a last second play that Maryland had. So just let that one sink in. Um, I think we're going to move forward here. Uh, So today was the weekly presser. It's Tuesday when we're recording as Jordan's going out of town tomorrow. But uh, we're going to time travel back to Friday when you guys are listening. Uh, Kerry Combs – Combs, sorry, we always do that. Uh, Kerry Combs uh, had a presser today. And he talked about the challenges of getting – we're going to call it a emotion in season – and what it means to still, what he had to bring, and what he's done to get through it. We both listened to it. If you guys haven't, there's clips going around the internet. Go check it out again if you haven't. It, it made me buy back in on a lot of parts of Combs that you don't get to see because when you're thinking of coordinators, all you really think about is the production on the field, and that's the most important. But I, I think at the end of the day, like we talked about for the whole first half of the show, After the Oregon game, everybody had to look themselves in the mirror. I think Combs has a chance, and we won't get to see it because he's not calling the plays anymore, to earn enough respect in the locker room among the coaches to maintain his role in a co-category. And I know you've been disagreeing with that, but I think there's just – a lot of stuff he provides, especially from – and it just sucks because we aren't there. We don't get one of those stupid TV shows that Michigan does where we get to see all the coaches and a lot of the player relationships. But there's just importance to that. And, you know, Matt Barnes, it's like what we said, Greg Madison, Jeff Halfley. You need an older coach. You need a younger coach who kind of understands the strategic modern game.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm still not with the co but I understand exactly what you're saying. I do think he made a great point, whatever he does, like, you know, behind the curtain, there are people talking in our chat about thinking that the way he talked, they made it seem like he was leaving, which I could see that. Um, regardless of what happened, I think he showed a lot about himself and I think he showed why players like him. Um, I think he showed why everyone likes him. Honestly, he's a genuine dude. Honestly, And I think he was right. Like, like that's a lesson a lot of people need to, to have like, and essentially I don't want, like he's going to say it much better than me. I think you need to find it. I definitely retweeted it. If you follow me on Twitter, but essentially he was just saying like, I'm telling all of these kids when things bad things happen to them, that it's going to be okay and to trust the process and trust the brotherhood. And he's like, if when one bad thing happens to me, if I don't do what I've been telling them to do all of these years in my career, then I'm a liar. Yeah, and that was... Honestly, it was really moving. Like, his
1: message was, hey, like, like, I got kicked down. I'm still here. I'm showing up to work. I'm helping. And you know what? Like... We've seen this kind of in the team, like guys like Marcus Williamson showing up, you know, guys like, you know, some of these older guys who would have wanted more significant roles, who could have gone elsewhere, sticking through with it. And now they're delivering like, you know, we give a lot of like, I don't want to say hate, but like we discount a lot of the defensive ends. We discount guys like Javante Jean-Baptiste. We discount... Guys like Tyler Friday, I know he's injured, but, you know, those types of names who aren't guys who have produced. But those are the guys who make the biggest difference in games that matter because everyone's going to scheme for an elite pass rusher. Everyone's going to scheme for an elite linebacker. But it's those guys in the program that don't quit, that stick it out, who understand the culture, who understand being a Buckeye. And, you know, culture stuff, it's not stuff we get to see every day. You know, you were in football locker rooms. We were in football locker rooms. A lot of our audience who listens to this show were probably in some form of a football locker room, whether it be youth football or high school or even the college level. Culture is built every single day. And I think Kerry Combs is a great culture guy. And that's why I think the joke you made in the chat, head coach of Bowling Green, Kerry Combs, like He gives head – that whole interview gave head coach energy. No, that wasn't a joke.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Bowling Green will need a new head coach after this year. They are – I can I cannot claim that this is my idea. I feel like maybe it came from four to six with A and B or a different podcast that I was listening to. Someone, not the bowling green part, that was me. But someone said that there's a good chance that Kerry Combs is a head coach of a of a group of five school because he because it's about culture.
1: Yeah. And we saw Shiano, man, like his defense was not great when he left, but it's a different job. And I I just gained a lot of respect for him. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff when you're, you know, shooting shots at a guy when he's down. Like, you know, we weren't mean to carry combs, but we did say we expected more. Your your whole thing was like, I don't ever want to see a man get fired because it's tough, especially in the coaching profession. But like at the end of the day, like there's a reason this guy got this job. And we saw that. He's very good at connecting with people. I I bet you every journalist in that room was like, wow. And you saw with their tweets, they're like, I saw one tweet today, Is like, we just got the full Kerry Combs experience. Like, that is how impactful he is on people. And like, I tell you all the time, if keeping Kerry Combs on staff means we get Sonny Styles, pay the man. If keeping Kerry Combs on the staff means we get Xavier and Wonka because he has that ability to connect with people, he's provided enough value for me. Maybe. You win I'm with not, players. I'm not moving off the code DC rule. you win with players. You win with players. It was that that's a Herm Edwards
0: line. Here's my here's my biggest thing, and I, I, I don't mean to take a negative turn. The only re, like you can say, like it's like cause and effect. You can say our recruiting dipped because Kerry Combs wasn't there, or you could say our recruiting dipped because they had Bill Davis and Tavier Johnson. So Gary Combs is a great recruiter. That is, There is no lie to it. He is one of the best. But he is not the only recruiter. There are other people who are better at the other parts of the job who could get some of those same players. Also, I just think at Ohio State, the coach doesn't matter as much. Like, like Brian Hartline is the difference between Four four-star wide receivers and two four. It's a difference between four five-star wide receivers and two five-star wide receivers. And hey, I'm never going to complain about that. But only three of them are on the field at the same time. So like, I don't mean to say that negatively. I would much rather have the five five stars. But when you're at a program like Ohio State, coaching only makes so much difference because it's Ohio State. It's the NFL, it's the national championship, it's every it's the brand, it's the social media reach, like one less player, like Kerry Combs getting you the, the 99th player, and the new guy getting you the 112th is not that big of a difference if that guy is significantly better in other things. So that's why I won't budge off the code DC because he wasn't a good DC. So I'm not giving him the co-DC off of just being a good coordinator. I think there needs to be a different or more drastic change, but I am 100% for keeping him on the staff. My thing is, which is funny. Yeah, exactly. And, and that like, he left for a reason. He didn't leave because he didn't love Ohio state. He left because he's old no disrespect and he wanted more out of his career he wanted to be a dc he wanted these experience and ultimately i think he wants to be a head coach and he couldn't do that in his role at ohio state so he went to uc he went to the nfl he came back because he got the role he wanted it didn't work so if he wants to be the db's coach at ohio state perfect we could use another um Coach Johnson. We could use a legend who just wants to coach his position and recruit and be a Buckeye. But if he doesn't want to do that, there's somebody else. That's my stance. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: a fair stance. I, I think, uh, I mean, it sucks because we don't really even know the extent of his role anymore. So we don't even know how big of an impact he has on the game planning, on the play to play stuff. Uh, but he has talked about the impo- like how much clearer he sees the game in the booth, and we talked about that pre-show. Like, yeah, when you're up in the booth, you can see everybody. It's an all twenty-two view. That's why they put cameras up there for film breakdowns. Like, you get to see substitutions better. You get to see you get to see it more and less from you get to see it more from a schematic standpoint and less from an emotional standpoint. Yep. And that's that's huge with with having a veteran voice up there. So. I think it was funny. I mean, he made a joke. He misses hugging the players on the field. Uh, he gets to hug Kevin Wilson still. I'm excited. I think I think his energy is what's, like, getting me really excited for the second half because I think this coaching staff's bought in. I think they've realized they've got a special group here, even though it's young. And I think they want to show the world. And you know what they always say. It's Ohio against the world. It's Kerry Combs versus all of us. And we are going to get – it's going to be a fun second half. Yeah. <laughs>
0: to him for well props to him for working himself out the doghouse where Ryan Day would put him on in front of the media because I don't think this I don't think this is the NFL where there's any like each coach has to talk a certain number of times and props to him for owning up to it in front of the media like that's big like on a personal level like he's he's did everything he was supposed to do and I'm happy even if it's even if this is the last year I'm happy that he's been a Buckeye. I mean, he's an amazing coach. He's an amazing person from unless he has some emails we don't know about. <laughs> he's, he's an amazing person from what we know. Um, that's not in his well, outlook. That's not in his Buckeye link. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe one day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't wish that on anybody. But, except but, you I know, because he deserved it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, honestly, uh, off topic for that is going to be, that's going to be a roller coaster story Yeah, uh, because they weren't even, they weren't even looking for John Green and stuff. They just found it. Yeah. Uh, and we found out that Ohio State's good at football in the first half. So, a lot of crazy things going on. Not That one's not that crazy. We knew that was going to happen. But, yeah, I guess uh, the rest of the presser takeaways were like, you know, Ryan Day doing his coach speak, Chris Olave talking about how CJ Stroud is super special. We'll probably talk about him more once we get to our position grades. Yeah. Uh, i really liked what he said i mean it kind of gave me a ton of confidence down the stretch and then obviously cj stroud last week talking about his uh supernatural healing abilities this guy's deadpool or something uh that'd be a sick edit if you guys are good at that we'll put it on a shirt uh, and then yeah that takes us into our next topic uh, before we get into the next topic on the show today we're going to take a break to get a word in from our sponsors Appreciate you guys for sticking with us through this show so far, and we can't wait to get into player awards and our position grades. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Thank you for bearing with us through the commercial break. Uh, We are back, and let's get into the next topic on the show. Uh, You know... Every school gives out awards. Every school gives out yearbooks. Every school has superlatives. You know, Land Grant Holy Land's doing superlatives this week. So me and Jordan want to take a few minutes and just give a few awards out. Not anything crazy. Uh, just kind of taking, taking back through the first half. Uh, we we're giving out some awards, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see what your explanations are, because I already know what you're going to say. I know who you're picking, but I want to, I, I'm excited. It's it's going to be a fun topic because this is how we like to look back on stuff in the world. So let's get started here. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, offensive MVP of the first half for you. Uh,
0: my, this is maybe not a surprise, but I actually have a reason for it. My offensive MVP is, um, Trey Henderson and my reason for it is he hasn't had a bad game and his play he has a tendency so far to make a play when you really need it Um, you know you could say Alave you could say Wilson right you could say Stroud that's easy because he's the quarterback Uh, I was tempted to pick someone from an offensive line but when I think of MVP I think of who I think of MVP, how it's supposed to be most valuable player, not most popular player. And that's a rant for another day because I hate how every sport, specifically basketball, votes the MVP. But his touchdowns, when they if, like if you really looked at them, when they happened, where they're at on the field, the time, the energy swing, what the score was like some of those plays like. I think he is easily the most valuable player, and this is sort of a projection, but I think he's going to be the most valuable player the rest of the season, too, because he has a position of being electric, which he's always going to do, but also I think the first half of Maryland was encouraging and announcers are not always right, but they were right about this, is it's not always going to be easy. And he fought for them two or three yards. Like he had he had 19 yards and like seven carries or something, but he fought for every last one of them. And he's going to have to be able to do that in some games for us to win in those close games. Like if we get in a close game with Penn State or CJ Stroud's not playing that great against Michigan State, they're going to turn around and hand the ball to him. And I think he's shown enough in every aspect. Pass blocking pass catching, running, explosive plays that he is able to carry this team and this offense when you need it. But also, most importantly, he's able to get those explosive plays and it seems like he's able to get them whenever he wants to. Um, So, yeah, Trey Henderson.
1: Yeah, I think that you're right about it being very on brand for you. I think you're you, you love running backs. I, you're yeah. a linebacker, so that's kind of weird. But you love running backs. <laughs> I play both, but
0: though. So I,
1: I think the funnest thing about Henderson was shown in that Maryland game because even when he wasn't getting it done on the ground per se, you know, like you said, he grinded out a lot of yards. Well, not a lot of yards, but he grinded out every yard. And then they'd hit him on a wheel route, and there's not a linebacker who's going to stay with him in pass coverage. There's not. A, there's not a play. He's he's special. He is, uh, but he's not my MVP, and I'm going to tell you guys why. Uh, My most valuable player is Nicholas Petit-Friere. I love, and me and Jordan do both. We love to spotlight the big guys because a lot of people in the media are never going to give awards to these guys like this. Uh, But uh, Petit-Friere moved to left tackle this year. It's not an easy move. You're going usually up against the best pass rushing defensive end of each team. And he was tasked with protecting a uh, first time starter at quarterback. I think he's done an exceptional job. I think he's been without a doubt the most consistent and best offensive lineman. And I think at the end of the day, he's been an absolute tone setter for the offense. And, you know, looking at a lot of my film reviews, almost every single time Stroud has had a big play, he's eating someone alive. You know, anytime there's a big play in the run game to his side, he is eating someone alive. So, I, I think when you talk about value I think having that guy who is there to protect your young quarterback I think he's extremely valuable especially when he's playing at that and I don't want to I mean we've we've had our rants about PFF's grades on this show but he's the highest rated offensive lineman per PFF on Ohio State he's a guy who hasn't given up a sack in what, like three years? Yeah. I think so. Has he ever given up a sack? I don't think he's given up a career sack yet. So, like, I don't think there's anything more valuable than that, especially when you've got a young quarterback.
0: I only have one thing to say about him, uh, although I could talk about him forever because I do love the offensive line. He looks huge. He looks so much bigger than I thought he was. Like, you forget that he came in with weight issues. Like, there were a couple of times where I saw him, and I was like, wait, is that Thayer Mumford? Like, he looks huge. And it's just like... like. He put in the time, the work, the effort, the dedication, and now, like, he's earning himself some money. Personally, I've been pretty frustrated, and I like I love offensive line play, but I can't pretend that I know everything. But I've been pretty frustrated with some of the draft guys, and I'm not talking about like the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays who don't know anything, I'm talking about like the actual draft guys who like watch the film and stuff, and like they don't mention. There, Mumford and Nicholas Petit-Frere as like a first or second round pick, and that makes no sense to me. Like, I can't think of ten tackles better than them in the country. I can think of one for sure, Evan Neal, and maybe there's one or two that I just don't know. But like, even if that's the case, week one by week twelve, I think he's I think he's making himself a first round pick. He's making himself a lot of money, and he and you he has petitioned. He has position versatility where they can look and say we've never seen you on the left side now we know you're good at it we're drafting you as a left tackle or we still think you're better on the right side but now we know you can play the left side that adds more value to you in case something happens and that's important
1: Hey. I think I think that's the most interesting. Like he made
0: the switch effortlessly. Yeah, like no, like no, like this is no this is no shame because it's probably a harder switch, but Thayer Munford has not made the switch to guard effortless. He has had and some it, struggles.
1: Right and there's left. like a different level of strength you need on the inside. And I just don't know if he was built for with his body type. But
0: yeah.
1: I mean it's just a challenge. And that's why like, you know. probably if Thayer munford was still left tackle i probably would have said him because he would have been maybe not just as good but on that level
0: yeah so sure
1: yeah that let's get into the defense here Um obviously there were struggles early but i think we picked two players who are very representative of what the defense has become
0: for sure do you want to go first i mean
1: I'll, I'll start with this one. I'll start with this one. So my defensive MVP is Ronnie Hickman. Uh, you guys know him as Ronnie the Rocket. I still don't acknowledge that nickname, even though he likes it. Uh, it's just not a nickname I like. I don't know why. Uh, but he's leading the team in tackles as a hybrid safety linebacker, the bullet position. He has made plays in pass coverage. I, I do struggle sometimes with some of the angles he takes, but he makes the plays most of the time still. And he is a player who has surprised me a lot, but mostly I thought he was going to be good. And we talked about this last week, but I don't think either of us thought how good he was going to be. And I think he's kind of been the, uh, what's it called? He's just kind of been the steady hand of the defense. Every single week he's been good.
0: Yeah, no, um, I'm happy with Who I picked, but you um, have the right guy. Uh, Also, just a heads up, he has 51 tackles. So that's halfway halfway to 50. Um, (laughs) We're almost there. We almost got another one. We may finally get one. Also, uh, he has 18 more tackles than the next guy.
1: And uh, I mean, he plays the most snaps defensively than Um, anybody. So that kind of makes sense. But it also his snaps are split between being like a true safety and playing in the box. So we got to limit those when he's a true safety. And when he's in the box, he's absolutely making plays.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to see if you can guess this before we move on. Just cause I pulled up the stats and they're interesting. Who is the second leading tackler on the team? Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Let me
1: let me think. It's got to be someone
0: a little wild. Uh, I want to say Taraja Mitchell. Yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, Last question. Where is Steel Chambers in tackles?
1: Uh, Top five for sure. I want to say five.
0: He's six, right outside. Dang, of I was right there. But he's one more game, he'll be there. Yeah, he's one tackle away. Bryson Shaw is five, but Bryson Shaw has played in all six games. Still, Chambers has played in five, and he's Good, he? right outside the top five. He switched to linebacker like a week and, <laughs> and a half before the season started. Literally, literally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my so, yeah. my defensive yeah. guy is Denzel Burke, um, and it's Denzel Burke for a couple of reasons. One, I think I'm ready to say he's just the best player on this defense right now. Um, but also, I think sometimes you have to look at, like again, MVP, most valuable, not most popular. We struggled last year at corner. But not only that, corner has been hit with the most injuries. So for us to be able to know we have one guy that we have and... And fortunately, I mean, it's weird to say fortunately when you're talking about injuries, but like fortunately for most of the season, it feels like seven banks and Cam Brown are like switching games when they're injured. But like when you have one guy and you only need to find one more, that means a lot, especially when players are injured. If he wouldn't have stepped up and our starting corners were still seven banks and Cam Brown and they were both injured like that, this would be a lot worse. So. His performance, the importance of his position, locking down one side, uh, the effort that he brings, the physicality. Like, I think for all of those reasons, uh, he's the he's my defensive MVP. Um, Ronnie Hickman would be the same. The only difference is I don't know that they would play it as well. But I think we have other people who could play the position where I don't know. I think the, essentially the drop-off is bigger. I think the drop-off from Denzel Burke to the next player, if he wasn't there and we had to play with injuries, is different than the, the drop-off between Ronnie Hickman and Craig Young, who's who would be playing that position um, if Ronnie Hickman wasn't playing as well or they would be rotating.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think... Uh... Most in I, I think if we split this up into most valuable and most important, I think Denzel Burke's probably the most important player on the defense right now. And I think he he's kind of like the uh, you know, I, it's hard to find it, but he's covered the best receivers as a true freshman. He's done a phenomenal job at it, and every single week he's gotten better at one thing. And, and we, that's all you could ask for from a freshman. And he, it's a, it's an extreme. Like It's a, one of the most important positions in modern football.
0: No, for sure. And we talked about it in the recap. You didn't hear his name at all in the last game. And for corners, unless it's a big pass breakup or some interception, you don't want to hear their name because nine out of ten times it's a holding. It's a defensive pass interference where they got cooked and allowed yeah. a touchdown.
1: That means, honestly, it felt like Toledo didn't even look his way and he shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have. Uh, but yeah, that takes us into our biggest surprises on both sides of the ball. Uh, we forgot to write down our offensive ones. So we're going to start with defense. Um, you want to get started on this one or you want me to go?
0: um, my biggest surprise is Steel Chambers. Um, I knew that he should have been a linebacker his entire career, but just because you know they should be a linebacker doesn't mean they're going to be good. And not only does he look good, he looks special. I Everyone, this is not a me thing. Everyone says it all the time. Good players flash early. Think about every, think Chris Olave flashed early. Garrett Wilson flashed early. Um, like, any good um nick bosa uh joey bosa chase young flashed early every great player this is not even a this is not even a ohio state thing Derek stingley jr flashed early trevor lawrence fly like good players flash early and he's flashed and i think he is going to be spectacular i think he has a chance to make himself a very high draft pick especially if he doesn't get like I don't want to say greedy because money is money, but if he if he sticks this out and plays 2 years so that he gets 3 4 years at the position, 1st round pick, I could see
1: Without it. Without a doubt. I think, you know, I think this is kind of one of those things we bring up occasionally, but I don't think enough people have brought it up when Steel Chambers was recruited and he got here, uh there were a ton of linebackers in the linebacker room. I think tough, Borland, Pete Werner, uh, Molly Harrison, uh, Kevon Pope, Dallas Gant, just a list like nine to 10 names in that room. Uh, in the running back room, all they had was JK Dobbins. So think about that. Like it's completely switched over. And once there was no depth there, uh, he was not going to play a running back. Once we saw Travion Henderson and mine, Williams pop, because they had at least two to three years left. So, like, yes, you probably should have been a linebacker the whole time, but I kind of understand why he chose running back when he first got there. Yeah, they needed him. There was nobody they there. Didn't. Yeah, there was zero depth at running. He got real snaps his first year at yeah. Ohio State at running back. So that's kind of
0: crazy. He got injured, right? That's what
1: happened? Yeah. Or, is that now, of
0: Crawley? or did both of them get injured? Both of them have battled injuries throughout yeah. their time at Ohio State.
1: And but now believe- he's... He's at a perfect fit. Yeah. I, I think he came in at a time they needed him to. You know, with Palio Natiote being a little banged up early as he tried to get into the swing of things, like it, it it added the needed depth that they didn't have. It brought a different body type. It brought a different type of athlete to the position that they didn't have. And it's been working flawlessly almost.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. Like he, someone asked him in an interview, he was like, Has the transition been as easy as you make it look? And he said, not even close. He's going to get better. Yeah, Like once he That's fully scary. understands the position and he's fully used to the little things, how to read your keys, how to block the strike, how to get off blocks, how to make that like the little things like, you know, there's a big difference between getting hit and giving hits, wrapping up. Like there's so many little things that like once he gets that and he, and he starts and the defense, I mean, he's never studied the defense before. Once he gets all of that down and it's like second, it's like he knows like the back of his hand. He's going to get better and we're going to see more plays like we've seen. He has, he's the first linebacker we've had in a while that has legitimate sideline to sideline ability. Speed.
1: Yeah, it, it's, he's a good player. Uh, my biggest defense surprise is actually your defensive MVP. It's Denzel Burt. And, you know, preseason, we talked about a lot of young guys who would get some rep. Uh, we talked about the really young guys. Uh, Denzel Burke's one of them, a uh, true freshman out of Arizona. Like, He was not a name who came up until really late in camp. And then it really only came up because seven banks and cam Brown were injured and not available for the opener. So he was forced into the fire and absolutely excelled. And then we're like, all right, well, once these guys get healthy, who's going to be the starters? I didn't say that. Me and you were like first round pick, let this guy run. That's what we said. And then, He just kept doing it, and he's still playing so well. And we already talked about him enough, but I think he was my biggest surprise on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think there's been a better defensive player on the team this year outside of Ronnie Hickman. I think those two have been on a different, honestly, planet than most of the defense all six games. And now the the rest of the defense is finally catching up to those two.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a, a me thing. I'm not sure that I knew he was on the roster, to be completely honest. Like, I don't think I knew his name. Yeah,
1: like, honestly, unless you're a recruiting guy, you probably really didn't have him on your like list. Because I, I remember we did I, preseason depth charts. Like, a, I want to say, like, a week before the first game and he wasn't on ours.
0: No, I think we talked about Ryan Watts. I think we talked about Jekyll Johnson. I think we talked about that other J name back there. Um, like I, yeah, I don't remember talking about him at all. So maybe that's a me thing. Maybe I should have done the roster a little bit better, but like, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about it. Cause I forgot to do it. I don't know who my offensive biggest surprise is. Uh, I think I'm going to follow your lead and go with um, offensive line play. And I think hmm, we're mentioning both of them later, but I think we can double up. It would either be Luke Whipple or Matt Jones. Um, maybe I'm just going to split them. I think. No, I'm going to go with Matt Jones because Matt Jones is older. I, Matt Jones is like four-year guy I think um and there's a like essentially if you're a four-year guy there's a reason you haven't been on the field yet and not only that but just the emotional of like you're a four-year guy it's your position and then they put a tackle in front of you
1: yeah, and that's got to hurt, but like, so and it sucks. It's not his fault. He's been really no. good this time.
0: So for him mm. to do, you know, to deal with all of that, accept all of that and then come in and just like perfect to the fact that like people were like, should Thayer get his job back? Like, yeah, I think he's my biggest surprise. I just didn't know much about him. Not that you think negatively, because offensive line is like we've seen multiple people not play to their fourth or fifth year, play really well and go to the league. But I, it's still a surprise because you didn't know and you didn't expect there to get injured. So there was a chance that he didn't get on the field at all. So um, I think Luke, Luke Whipple counts, too. Um, I'm just going to say this really quick because I was uh, reading the presser bulletins really quickly. Someone said Ryan Day says Harry Miller is probably more of a swing guy now in terms of position. That's his way of saying that Luke Whipler is the starting center. Because <laughs> like, uh, that yeah, was Luke exactly Whipler's position. Luke Whipler was the swing guy. He was the sixth man. They switched
1: jobs. Yeah. And I think Matt Jones is a true stakes man now. And then Harry Miller is now the seventh guy. Yeah, 100%. So, I I mean, I agree. I I have him down a little bit more on the list with one of our other awards. Uh, But my biggest offensive surprise – and, you know, he flashed last year, so I I don't know, but he's, like, producing not to the level of Alave and Wilson, but right there. And if Alave and Wilson weren't there, he'd be our number one receiver without a doubt. And it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I I don't think – uh, coming into the season, I thought he'd be pacing as well as he has with two of the best receivers in the country. And I guess that kind of comes from teams trying to scheme against those other two guys and him just having to come up with some plays. But he makes the position inside. And, you know, Garrett Wilson had the same ability last year. He just makes that slot position look effortless. Like you try to put a linebacker on him, that's not working. He's getting cooked. You try to put a safety on him, not a chance. Not a chance of safety is covering him one-on-one. And then, you know, you can't bring in a cover corner because guess what? He's big enough to, like, absolutely own that guy in the blocking game. And he's just done all three facets of being a great receiver so well from being a big play guy, from making the tough catches to blocking. And he's just been such an awesome underrated player for the Buckeyes. Uh, And I I just uh, think he's been my biggest surprise on offense because, like, just his production, honestly. That's where it is.
0: Yeah. um So this is not gonna happen, but we're pretty on par to have three thousand yard wide receivers, and it's because of him. Chris Garrett Wilson, thirty one catches, five hundred forty six yards, six touchdowns. Chris Olave, thirty catches, four hundred ninety four yards seven touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 23 catches, 452 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging 19.7 yards per catch. That's two yards per catch more than Garrett Wilson and three yards per catch more than Chris Ilave. Um He's been special. And it's funny because, you know, it's really hard to tell when guys are being honest because like, Again, if someone asked me about you, I'm going to speak good of you. I hope you would do the same, but like, Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson, they talk good about him, but it's like, are you saying that because he's your teammate and you want people to think he's good or do you mean it? And like Garrett Wilson is saying he's the best athlete I've ever seen. Garrett Wilson is saying like, I always thought I was the best wide receiver on the field until I got on the field with him. People are saying he's going to be better in the slot. And you're like, all right, come on now. (laughs) Like, like really? Like, like, like you're laying it on a little thick. You could have just said he was good. Like I, I don't believe this. And it's like, no, like he is.
1: Yeah, last week we were talking, and you know, Chris Olave does everything smooth. You said Garrett Wilson does everything with elegance. Jackson Smith and Jigoba does it with smooth elegance, honestly.
0: Yeah. Like I that, don't know. he's
1: like I, I said it, he's a mix of the two. Like he doesn't have the vertical leap of Garrett Wilson, but he's probably a little bit more vertically inclined than Chris Olave. Uh, he's a little bit more physical than Chris Olave, but Chris Olave's got the deep threat ability on him. So he just kind of takes the two and he does. He's just an all-around wide receiver. Like if you could build your build a receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba is the guy you'd want in any offense.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's kind of crazy. Like he's and definitely he, a surprise and um, he's the
1: third best guy and that's gotta be scary I, I don't want to be a defensive back honestly <laughs> if I am walking out that's where like you know like the competitor in is like yeah give me the best but the like realist in is like you know my hamstring hurts a little bit don't want to hurt the draft stock like uh, but, I'm, I think coach like I don't know if I can go this week and then they get it out in the news so when you get coached, everyone's like oh he was a little hurt
0: but not only that He's the 3rd string wide receiver, which means yeah. he's on the linebacker or the safety, like, yeah. or, the, or the third DB. It's like, not even who they're
1: thinking about. <laughs> they, like, the linebacker's got all these responsibilities, like, hey, like, this is going to be a run play at second and eight. And then all of a sudden he oh, has wow. to guard Jackson Smith and Jigba? Like, that's not fair to him. That's not fair to
0: him as a human being. No, not at all. And, and the crazy thing is, like, I said it's not possible to have three thousand yards wide receivers, and I really don't think. I, it, I think I, I think it might be this year, but, honestly. But that's what I'm th- that's what I'm saying. It's like because I'm convincing myself into it right now. They're doing this, in
1: if a they, half of football. If they do, uh, if they play 15 games, I think it's legitimately possible.
0: The stat, do stop? Stat, do stats count for all 15? Yes, it's they not do. like the NFL where they split them.
1: Yeah, they started counting both stats in like 1982. It was
0: random. Game. OK. Oh, 15 games. Yeah, that's possible. Especially because yeah. eventually they're going to stop, you know, getting out the game at halftime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, oh, my like, God. I went two games in a row. They all no. Uh, two games in a row. Garrett Wilson didn't get over 100 yards last week, but Jackson Smith and Chris Olave did, or one yeah. of them did. But no, that right. was almost two games in a row where we had 600 yards between three receivers.
0: I think it was. That's I think it story. was. I think it was two out of three. I think. It, I don't think it was back to back. I think it was. Yeah. Accurate I, I think and it was three Maryland. for three,
1: and then Maryland. Okay, I got gotcha.
0: you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the stats for for uh, Rutgers. It could it have been three games in a row? Honestly. Who knows? Shoot uh, it yeah, Jackson, not, Jackson, I Jackson, question. Jackson Smith and Jigba was the first one to 100 yards. And his yeah. first season as a full starter, he has 200-yard games. Like, as the third wide receiver. Yeah, that's absurd. You know what I mean? People uh, want one wide receiver to have 100 yards? Yeah. We're getting
1: three on the regular. Uh, so, yeah, let's get – got to get through these awards because we've still got grades in the second half to look at. Favorite play so far this year. let uh,
0: uh, mine is the Tyreek Williams forced interception, mainly because he killed a man by trying to block the ball. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah,
1: that was insane.
0: He knocked his hand and still murdered him, like, and it led to an it, interception. What his arm physically did to that man was <laughs> kind of scary. It's like he has a family dog, like, yeah. like people care about him. <laughs> And then I'm going to go with a play that's kind of been
1: forgotten, Um, not by me, not by us guys who love the big guys. But Haskell Garrett scored a touchdown earlier in the year, and I still don't think it gets enough appreciation. So you know what? I want to give that my favorite play award because it needs as much appreciation as we can give it because that was a real touchdown. The way he picked the ball up was just smoothness, honestly.
0: Haskell the Rascal. Yep. Do you like that, McMahon, but not the Rocket? No, I hate that dick. Okay. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, all right, come on. There's there's an issue here.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Rockets better than Haskell Rascal. Okay. Uh, that,
0: that's right. Because I told someone to bet you, so you had to buy that t shirt, and nobody did. Yeah. Y'all don't really uh, listen to us. Bet Chris, he's going to take it. Make him buy that t shirt and wear it.
1: Yeah. And then we already kind of talked about both of them, but our most underrated Buckeyes so far, mine's Luke Whippler. I think him coming in and winning the center position is absolutely just phenomenal. Like he had an opportunity. Everyone's like, "All right, well, he's going to keep the job. Hopefully, he does well enough till Harry Miller gets back." And like you said, Harry Miller's a swing guy now.
0: Yeah. Yep. Mine's Matt Jones. I don't have anything else to say about him because I said it Dude, earlier. But um, I'm just going to say he's a
1: professional. Honestly, the way yeah. he's handled his role, the way he stayed ready every time he's gone in the game, he's gotten film the last two years. I'm hoping next year he's a full time starter. And he really gets to show out. And I think his—he's a guy. Once the NFL starts interviewing players, once they start coming to pro days, he's going to interview extremely well because he's yeah. had one interview this year, and he was honest and he was real, and he said um, he talked about like all the the. Climate of football right now, with everyone moving and leaving, but he said this is still his best opportunity to get where he wants to go.
0: Yeah, and he's so good.
1: He's good, and it like, sucks, man. Because, and we've seen it. Like last game, I was watching, and there were times where I'd see uh, Thayer Mumford in at left tackle, Matt Jones in, and like Nicholas Petitferi is getting a break in a game. Like what?
0: You don't yeah, having do that. having six starters on the offensive line is. Uh crazy this problem most teams would dream about having <laughs> yeah like six legitimate starters not just people you put out there like no they have six starters
1: all righty so you know me and jordan usually talk a long time about a lot of things so this this position grades uh i don't think we're gonna have a drag on but we are going to not rapid fire it but go a little quicker than normal we probably would want to, but yeah. <laughs> We got to get it in. We got a lot of stuff to talk about still. Uh, position grades. And honestly, I, I kind of want to see where we line up because I know the first four or five positions on here were probably going to be pretty similar. Uh, the last ones are kind of where I'm at a question with because there's so many position
0: groups intertwined. Yeah, I'm
1: ready. Uh, all right. So my OL grade and your OL grade. You go first here. Um, A plus. You went A plus. I want B plus because I just want to oh. see them dominate more.
0: I'm one of those teachers. Okay, that's fair. I guess uh, I just okay. got excited. Maybe, uh, maybe A plus is not maybe A. I mean, but have they allowed hey. a sack? Like, they've allowed, uh, they've like allowed it. They, they allowed? allowed like, They allowed that Kyle sack. I remember. Um, I. I but think, that wasn't the starting O line.
1: Yeah, I think my issue with it has been. But this is they fixed it since then, which is why it's a B plus, because the run game was kind of a challenge at first in short yardage situations. Now, I don't think they've missed a short yardage situation since uh, the Tulsa game. So they fixed that problem. Uh, So by the end of the season, they're going to have an A in the class. It's just they started off with a few missed assignments. So now they're
0: working their way back up from the grade. Yeah, that's a very honest grade, and I almost thought of changing mine, but I'm still keeping it an A-plus because that's not the players, that's the coaches. That's what happens when you have two tackles at guard. But for yeah. the fact that they have two tackles at guard and they have seven legitimate starters and they're dominating, like I think they're the best offensive line in the country, like I'm still giving them an A-plus because, like, yeah, let's just – you know, I wish I I
1: wish I had more teachers like you and less teachers like me. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Alright, running backs That's the next one we got on the list uh, Travion Anderson, Master Teague Mayan Williams, uh, Marcus Crowley And Evan Pryor how, how have you graded them so far up to this point? Um uh-
0: yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him an A minus, but it's on a curve, and it's because like you know those classes where it's like you get curved by like the 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 best player in the class. Yeah, it's on a curve. Trevion Henderson gets an A plus. Mayan Williams is like a B minus. Master is like a B. Master Teague is like a, a B minus. But Trevion's A plus has lifted the whole the whole thing, the whole class to a uh, yeah. to a A minus. Also, it's just like. I mean, it's no one's fault, but just the inconsistency, the injuries, some stuff like that. It's hard to give them, you know, a super, super high grade. Um, I would like to see some more like dominance, some more like we can get everything that we want whenever we want to. Uh, I think if Mayan Williams wasn't dealing with um, injuries or sickness or whatever it was, the grade would be a little bit higher. But I mean, A- minus is good.
1: Yeah, I'm giving them an A. Uh, so this one, I've kind of, you know, I'm, I'm using my expectations. You know, when a teacher has a really smart class, they tend to challenge them more. I didn't know what to think of this group coming in. Uh, Master Teagues exceeded my expectations in his limited role. Mine Williams exceeded my expectations in his role before he missed time. And then, obviously, Travion Henderson, like you said, he raises the grade for everybody. He, he took the group project by the horns and just made it, like, his project, and now I think this is one of the. This is probably uh, outside of wide receiver. This is probably the deepest position group on the team. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So speaking of wide receivers, uh, what's your grade for the wide receivers? I, I don't think there's anything we can do on this one. I think they get an A plus. Like they're good. No. I'm giving them a plus.
0: I like, can't. Maybe an A++. I can't. This is going to be the group that I'm the hardest on, and this is going to be like similar to your offensive line group. I'm giving them a B plus because I can't get over the drops. I, the, the reason why I'm the hardest on them, though, is this is the oldest position group, and That's we true. came in with the two best wide receivers <laughs> in the country. And, like, Chris Olave had a game with two catches and a game with no catch. They Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have both dropped passes. I just, like this is one of those ones where it's like expectations like sure if you look at like stats and things like that but like if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson play better and not to just put this on them but like cuz you can say this for multiple position groups but if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson play better do we beat Oregon you talked about Chris Olave in the back of that end zone and like yeah. did he fall or was he or was he flopping, just flopping. so for me Yes, they played well, but with the expectations with having two first round picks, I can't get over the drops. I can't get over not helping the quarterback early. Um, it's a B plus because they should be better.
1: I'm giving an A++ still. I, I love them too much. They're my favorite group. I, I used to play wide receiver. I'm, I'm not biased. Recency <laughs> bias. You know, they've had like a bajillion yards the last three games. Uh, the Oregon game, that's true. That's, that's a fair point. So maybe an a, an a. We'll go with an A. We'll settle with an A. Uh, QB, quarterback group. Uh, as a whole, I, I, I think they've been good. I think you have to really take into account the struggles early. And then, uh, you know, we've seen really excellent play from Stroud the last few games. And then McCord had a good game against Akron, missed a few throws, wasn't perfect. Miller, he's 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 just energy. He is. Uh, What's your grade for the quarterbacks? I'm going to let you go first on this one.
0: I'm giving him an A and I'm giving them an A because they haven't made any like major mistakes. Like, sure, Stroud hasn't played amazing all the time. But it's because he's nineteen, like yep. you know what I mean. Like it would be different. Like he has, and he has three interceptions for one, and only one of them was bad. Like only one of them was like, bro, what are you doing? And at nineteen, you get a bro, what are you doing? Like that's one missed assignment. You can still get an A with a missed assignment. Like he he missed a ten point homework. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I'm giving him an A. Um, I think there's depth. I think. Yeah, they the backup struggled against Rutgers, but they moved the ball against everyone else when they got it. First of all, is, it's three games now. It's three games that we've had backup quarterbacks play.
1: Oh, uh, the last three games, all three quarterbacks have played. Oh, yeah, no so Akron, Akron, they. So what we went Tulsa they did not all play. Then we had Akron, everyone or McCord
0: Miller played, and did then a, did a backup play at all during Tulsa.
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: Okay. So, yeah, the three out of six games a yeah, backup is the, played.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: That's an so, A. You're doing enough yeah. to get your starter out and to get some young guys in, and they look good when they're in. They didn't look amazing against Rutgers, but again, Rutgers has a pretty good defense, and we said that they weren't going to give up. It's an A. Uh,
1: I am going to give them a B. Plus and it is strictly because, you know, Stroud was a freshman, but. Uh, he's in an advanced class. It's a, he's he's in. It, remember in high school when you'd have that freshman in your class as like a junior, Yes. like the really smart kid. Uh, that's why he's in the AP classes. But he he's in AP calculus as a freshman. He's a smart kid. Uh, he got the job early. He's he's doing well. Uh, but he still gets graded the same. And you know, at the end of the day, the comparison of the last, you know, two quarterbacks. They came out hot. Uh, he came out hot and then came out a little less hot against Oregon, really struggled against Tulsa. The Tulsa game's honestly what brings his grade down the most for me. If he didn't have the Tulsa game, I think A would be a very, very acceptable grade in my eyes. But I just think the improvement, he's going to be an A-plus by the end of the year. That's my prediction. But right now, he's a B-plus as a group. Uh, McCord. You know, great against Akron. Miller had a nice couple nice throws against Akron. Uh, We saw them against Rutgers, though. Against real big-time competition, I'm a little worried for them to get an extended run, but I think Day can do enough as a play caller. The offense can get moving enough, and that's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: That's fair. We're entirely different graders, but I think we have good reasons for it. I like the, you know, he gets graded the same. I don't like comparing him to previous quarterbacks, but like, I don't know. I, I I think a B plus is fair. Um, I just think that he's done everything he was supposed to do. And he personally hasn't really put us in a position to want to lose. Um, So, I mean, I don't know what more I can ask. He's a, he's a Heisman finalist. He's um, gonna, if he keeps up this pace, even if he doesn't win, he's going to New York. So it's yep.
1: an A. Defense uh, is where it gets gets interesting. To, yeah, defense. I don't even know what to do here, honestly. Defensive tackle. Uh I, I'm excited for this group.
0: I, I'm excited to hear what your grade is. Uh my grade for the defensive tackles is a B. Yeah, I'm gonna just dis- be no one on defense has an A for me. For defensive yeah, tackles, I think I'm gonna go B minus. Um, yeah, I, I think they've been good. I don't think they've lived up to the expectations we
1: thought. You know, Haskell's been great. Tyreek Williams has been a pleasant surprise, but you know, I think Teron Cage, and Antoine Jackson have both played well at times. I, I just think Teron Vincent's been a little more on the disappointing side. So when you look at the group as a whole, I just they're one of the they've been more consistent than most of the defense, but haven't been great. In yes,
0: my and they haven't been consistent enough. Um, yeah. So like more consistent but not consistent enough. It's like, I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. B what did I say? B minus?
1: Yeah, B minus. Yeah. I'm at a B, uh, same grade. It's like an 83, 82 thing. Uh defensive end. Uh this one I think we're both gonna be pretty harsh on. We've had we have not minced words with the production here. We finally got some pass rush the last couple of weeks, but what's your grade
0: for Yeah. I wish you would have went first. Mine is a C minus. Oh yeah, they're yeah. barely passing. Like no, I I'm giving them a D. So you're giving them a D. I I, I thought about it. I actually no. Yeah, I thought about it. I was like, man, can you give them like? Have they been so bad that you can't give them a passing grade? And up until guys, the last
1: two weeks, and the Akron game, they yes, have. they have, and even the Akron yeah. game, they did not produce enough for me to be like they get. Yeah. They're they're working their way back, but they they did not start the year off. They no. they were the kid who yeah. forgot they signed up for the class and missed the first two weeks And is making it up still.
0: Yeah, you convinced me. I'm going. I think I'm going. To, I think I'm going to D. Yeah,
1: yeah. and then That's cornerbacks, cornerbacks. We're not even going to explain more. I think everyone can agree. Like the pressures haven't been there. The sack numbers haven't been there. They haven't been the best in the run game. They've got it significantly better at that. Uh, but now it's it's the, the rest of the season is going to be where they are in their grade. Cornerback. Yep. Uh, so I've got it an A for, for Burke and then a C for everybody else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Let's uh, There's like been you one gotta separate, you, you got to separate, Berg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's
1: it's like the student where you're like, you are doing everything I want. You guys, you Be guys more are like there. him.
0: Be more like him. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we're we're not playing favorites in this yeah. class. Though. We're not.
0: It's like I know you can do it because he's doing it, but like. Be more like him. Um. You know, whether it's lack of availability, you know, some of the young guys just
1: not being as good as Burke, you know, so you get the direct comparison, you know, like Watts, like he played great in the first game, haven't seen him much at corner since. Le'Jon Cavazos, you know, he had his challenges in the first game, Bounced back, seven banks unavailable well, half the time, Cam Brown unavailable the other half of the time. It's just a group that I haven't got enough from. Marcus Williamson came back has uh, been playing okay, uh, so C for everybody else. I think it's fair. Yeah. And then this is this is a hard group. So safety. So we've got the true safety. We've got the cover safety. We've got the bullet all mixed into one position here. Uh,
0: what is your grade for this kind of collective group? C minus, and it's on a curve, and it's because of Ronnie Hickman. Yeah, because he carries a class for Lathen sure Lathan Ransom has a D- minus. <laughs> like.
1: Yeah, he's got a D- minus. Bryson Shaw Not even, not applicable N-slash-A <laughs> yeah. Don't want to be too mean uh, yeah. He's been better though You gotta give him some respect He got to the class late, but he's working his way back Uh, I mean, Cam showed up physically late to everything. Yeah.
0: Cam Martinez is like the is the guy that like great in coverage. I don't think he can tackle yet. Cam Martinez is the guy that like is never paying attention and like you're like occasionally gets an answer. Right. Yeah. But like when but when he does speak, like when you call on him and is like, I know he doesn't know the answer. Cam, what's the answer? He knows everything. And you're like okay. Yeah. You are paying attention. Can you get off your phone? Can you take out the headphones? Can you stop texting? Put your hood down. Like, can you not fit yeah. in the corner of the class?
1: It's like and we we just want to put this out there. We don't know how these guys are at all at students. These are just like no. They're all great students. <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun. Um, we've got one position left. Uh, I think this is the toughest one uh, I I didn't write down a grade for them because I don't know I honestly don't know how to grade this group because I, I I don't know what my expectations were for the group so I don't really even have a baseline grade for what I want them to be. It's a d. You're giving the linebackers a D. It's gotta I, I be. think I agree. I, it's gotta be. If any position group on here got an F, it would probably be the true safeties, right? Just the free safeties after Proctor got hurt. Yes, they got help from the other types of safeties, the like right. cover safety, and
0: then the bullet. Because personally, so I'm putting. If I was making this, I would put bullet at linebacker. Because yeah. that's the position that they replaced. So they got a boost by you considering them as safety and not a linebacker. Yeah. And I
1: think the linebackers have sucked. Yes. Until the last couple of weeks. And it's like so how how much do we blame that initial scheme for their failures? Because they've been playing awesome the last two games. I wouldn't say awesome. Is that is that on the teacher though? Is that on uh, us and the coaches as teachers for no. the grade? You know like when like
0: the teacher makes the class too hard maybe maybe but it's but also I think like I think they kind of like gave up like the class was hard and they didn't ask for help and they like it's like okay yeah it's like right it's like microeconomics where it's like they tell you the class is hard so they give you the professor and they give you the like the teaching assistant who's supposed to help who sits in the class and instead of like asking for help and at least trying to get a passing grade you just gave up on it yeah, it's,
1: it's like the class is,
0: yeah the class is hard but like you still have to take it yeah, you we'll still, give them a W. You still have <laughs> to take it. So yeah, they, I, I got, they have a D. They have a D. It's just you know. Um, yeah.
1: So did they drop from the class before the four week deadline to where they had to pay, and then get into like an eight week half year class? Tommy
0: did. Tommy, did. <laughs> uh, uh. Tommy dropped <laughs> and then well, like, it's Tommy like- Tommy dropped without talking to his academic advisor told his mom she cussed him out and he picked up an eight week section <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. so like we can look at all the linebackers like Cody
0: Simon was the worst linebacker in pass coverage like, yeah. significantly, and that's my thing with the linebackers. It's like they've gotten better, but like none of them is good at everything. And it's like yeah, like, one's good at one is good at this, one is good <laughs> at that, one is good at nothing, one is good at something, one is the best linebacker. It's not even a linebacker. It's just like it's, it's a D. It's a D. Yeah,
1: I, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm just not even gonna grade them. Too much work <laughs> for me as a teacher. Uh, and that's our grades for the year so far. Uh, the students have time to perform this is midterms in football terms uh like I said uh these grades were completely uh these these were graded on a tough scale and
0: Tommy Eichenberg stopped coming to class and then came to take the midterm
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's like I studied really hard for this guys I know I haven't been coming to class but I'm ready to go uh but yeah before we get going here we probably got about 10 minutes to wrap this thing up um Ohio State's second half schedule, the Big Ten Outlook, the Playoff Fest National Championship Outlook, we kind of group into this one holistic conversation about the Buckeyes here. Uh, So looking at the remaining schedule, uh, we've already kind of hinted at this. It is not going to be easy. At all. I'm going to read it off real quick. It's at Indiana (laughs) night game. Home field advantage. You know those always get wonky at Indiana. Penn State at home a week later after traveling to Indiana. Then they have to get up after an emotional game against Penn State and play a Nebraska team that's giving everybody problems now. They just can't seem to close games out. Purdue, you know, the freaking grim reaper to Ohio State fans. You know, I don't because you know what? This is the year Purdue always t- kind of gives Ohio State their best shot when everyone completely disregards them. And guess what? You look at that schedule around them, you've got Penn State, Battle of Blue Bloods, Purdue, Michigan State, probably who I'd have right now as the second best team in the Big Ten. Out like Penn State with Sean Clifford's different than Penn State right now. We don't know the the depth of the injury. And then you've got Michigan at the end. At Michigan Stadium. So that's just a regular season. The Big Ten championship, probably gonna be Iowa. Uh, They've pretty much separated themselves from the West. The West is terrible. Uh, So even if they lose like three games, I think they still make the cut. So uh, it's a gauntlet. Absolutely. Without question.
0: Yeah. But at the end of the day, they should still win every game.
1: And we're going to be previewing all those games and talking about all those teams individually, so we're not going to stick around too long on it. So I just kind of want to get your take on it. Right now, Ohio State's ranked six in the AP people. We've both already discussed this. That doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It's just fun to talk about. Something we can all get mad about and look at people and see like, oh, how did someone rank Bama 2? Like, how did their ballot say that? Like, they just lost to an unranked team. We could do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to the college football playoff. If Ohio State goes through that schedule unscathed, there is 0% chance they get knocked out. 0% chance. It would be the best resume for a one-loss team that any team has ever had, that any team in the playoff era has had.
0: Yeah. Um I would think I would agree with that. Uh, the weird thing about it, though, is it's like none of these teams have played each other. Yeah. Like, they're all in the back half. Like, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see these games. Like, the four teams have to play each other. And it's like none of them have played each other. So, and, and four, well, three, because you have to include yourself. And three of everyone's last six games, they have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I was listening to the Audible, and it's like a legitimate round robin to see who gets to go to the Big Ten title game.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's It's insane. Like, <laughs> like insane the better word, yeah. Um, and
1: I, I just think back. You know, the last time they had a schedule like this, they had Penn State, Michigan, then Wisconsin, back to back to back. Uh, I think you commented on the tweet, honestly, and you're like, Bucks by 30? Uh, if they have to play... I mean, honestly, it it's not a break. There's not a single game that they could take lightly. The rest of the
0: way, yeah, because it's Nebraska and, and Purdue, right? Yeah, Nebraska's been playing tough, and Purdue looks good. All of this set. no, I won't say good, but like, also They're, looks tough. Err, so um, it's yeah, like tougher even, is the right word for yeah, sure. It's like even your quote unquote rest games are not easy games.
1: Yeah, like you know, it's probably. I mean, if you switch Nebraska and Purdue on the schedule, I think it would have been perfect with, like, if you switched them with Rutgers and Maryland. That would have been the
0: ideal schedule. Or even just switching one of them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think it's going to be great. Or even if you put Michigan State and Penn State back-to-back, just get those two out the way, then get three... You know, yeah. less intense games, and then, or not even three less intense games. Yeah, three. Uh, and then Michigan, it would be different as well. But they don't have that good fortune this year. And plus, this is the deepest the Big Ten's been in all—I want to say three years, honestly. Yeah. So this is like, like everyone's been saying it. This is one of those years where Ohio State—it's not given. Like last year, at Ohio State—it was Ohio State's conference to lose. The year before, once they found out Justin Fields was elite, it was Ohio State's conference to lose. Uh, This year, uh, there's going to be some teams who haven't – they can take a real shot at. Not saying they will, but they can take a real shot.
0: Yeah, I I won't go as far to say it's not their conference to lose. I think they're playing – I think they're playing the conference on all pro instead of pro. Like normally it's on yep. pro and it's a walkthrough. Now it's on all pro and it's slightly harder, but like you should still be favored, but like you can lose. Like you can lose to the computer. Um yeah. I think I think that's a, a decent analogy, if that makes sense to all of our people who play video games. Um yep. I still think Ohio State should be expected to win but they're not going to be able to sleepwalk through anything. And there are teams who legitimately can beat them. Um, I do think it helps that the Big Ten just absolutely refuses to recruit quarterbacks. Um, Yeah, because uh, you look at the quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud
1: is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. The second best quarterback in the Big Ten is Kyle McCord.
0: Yeah, and then it's somewhere between Peyton Thorne and Talua Tagovailoa. (laughs) And then probably Jack Miller's in that conversation, honestly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so it, it's really a, a confidence thing. I, I think, Ryan, they – I just don't think – and this is where I, I feel like it's Ohio State to lose. I just don't think there's a single team remaining on the schedule that can keep pace with their offense when it's clicking. Now, if Ohio State is forced into an off day, however that may be, like – maybe a team can get to 30 points, but I've seen Michigan's offense. I don't think they can score 30 points against Ohio State. I've seen Michigan State's offense. I don't think they can score 30 points against Ohio State. I think they could. I don't think Penn State's offense could nope. without Sean Clifford.
0: Uh-uh.
1: For sure. They'd probably not score 20 points without Sean Clifford. But I, I don't know. I, I think I it's think. If funny, you're Sean out,
0: Clifford's not a good quarterback.
1: Yeah. And that just shows that like we said it over the weekend, like they are legitimately like that's their option. That's their best option. But I think Michigan State is probably the most likely to be able to score 30 points. But if Ohio State can just sell out and stop Kenneth Walker, which no one's been able to do, I think it's a long day for them. Because I don't think their receivers are better than our defensive backs in one on one situations. Mm,
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Uh, I think, uh, what was his name? He had a huge game this weekend. You uh, wrote about him in Big
0: Thoughts. Jalen Naylor.
1: Yeah, he was good, though. He's a big guy, too. So I, that provides a challenge they haven't really had this year. But by the time we get there, they're going to have played Jahan Dotson and Ty Freyfield. So they'll have challenges before that. So uh, defensively, I'm not. I, I just don't think I just don't think there's teams that will do enough to challenge The Buckeyes. I just don't. Kenneth Walker is the one guy I'm worried about because he could single-handedly break a game.
0: Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. I just think while teams are better – I don't think anyone is balanced enough. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people talk trash about Oregon and whatever, which is weird because they're still ranked number nine. They were a balanced team and yeah. they beat us with a balanced attack. You can't be good at one thing and expect to beat Ohio state. Yeah. Like if Ohio if state can game plan for one thing, it's like, it's. Gonna, and I keep saying, it, I don't know that it's going to happen this year, but how many times did Ohio state go into games? Against Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor and one running back, and that it, Travis Etienne. I don't. Did Travis Etienne ever have a big game against us? Maybe no, one not of the even years. The I don't year think they so. us. Yeah, like if you give them one player. <laughs> To like, especially running back, their wide receivers have gotten loose on us. But a running back, if Ohio State is prepared and he's by far the best player, they rarely have good games. It's like mm-hmm. one every three. And I don't know if this is going to be the yeah. one for Kenneth Walker. It may be, and but I'm not sure. Saquon Barkley's one big game against Ohio State was when
1: he was a freshman.
0: So Cotter, nobody, but knew he, yeah, nobody knew he was coming. And
1: then the other big game was Jonathan Taylor. A second time against Ohio State So they had already shut him down once but then and that, you're not going to shut down great players twice
0: No, and but then wasn't that the year That they shut him down In the Big Ten Championship game Like he yeah, had that really good game And everybody was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah And then so the Big Ten Championship game happened And it was like nothing
1: It was He had, uh, I think it was the other way around And the Big Ten Championship game They held him intact outside of three runs He just got loose
0: Okay Okay, yeah.
1: So he had like 30 yards, then he had a 50-yard run, a 40-yard run, and like a 30-yard run. So he just had chunk plays. So, yeah, I mean, just looking at the schedule, it's going to be tough, but I think there's two things Ohio State has that other teams don't, and it's balance on offense. And I think it's a defense that can challenge these quarterbacks enough to – limit some of the big plays that some of these teams
0: have relied on through the first half of the season well not only that the defense is getting big plays itself yeah even with um even with um chase young and and all of our amazing corners and, and all of that this defense has never been a defense known for turnovers touchdowns uh turnovers and touchdowns yeah like definitely not touchdowns but especially turnovers i mean um why am I forgetting his name right now? What is it five touchdowns in six games? Something like that, yeah. That's insane. And then four straight games with a touchdown. Yeah, so it's just like the defense is also making big plays. And if that keeps up, that's going to help, even in that, especially in that bend-don't-break uh, type yeah. of atmosphere.
1: And I, I think, you know, it's, it sucks because, you know, sometimes you get favorable scheduling where you get some of your toughest games at most of your toughest games at home this year. They don't have that. They're split two and two. So it's going to be interesting to see how that closes out. And then obviously the second home, Indianapolis, uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, and then nationally, just a quick look. I mean, we talked about this early in the show, but. This year is different than most years. It is an absolutely insane year so far. It's chaotic. A lot of people are comparing it to that 2007-2008 season uh, when it was at its craziest. Uh, but I- I'm just looking around. Uh, if you had to look at the teams in the country that you're not confident in this iteration of Ohio State to beat, are there any teams where you're like, no, Ohio State can't beat them?
0: There's no teams I think Ohio State can't beat. The only team that scares me is Georgia.
1: And because, that's the same boat I'm in. Yeah. If I was honestly ranking and you shot the true serum in my arm, I think my one in two teams right now are Georgia and Ohio State.
0: And my Bama's third, three. Yeah, I was going to say Bama's three because we could still lose to Bama because they're Bama.
1: Yeah. But I think Ohio State and Alabama are like carbon copies of each other this ooh, year. Uh, but Ohio State's
0: better on offense. Yeah. And And I think maybe on defense, maybe. Yeah.
1: I think, I think they, it's tough because they're just different in that, in like scheme wise, you know. I I don't think, I don't think their defensive coaching staff is as good as it has been in the past
0: on either coaching staff. Yeah.
1: And I think Alabama's is honestly. Like, we're going to see the adjustments they make, but it's going to be interesting to see for sure because Ohio State looked themselves in the mirror and said, We got to fix this. Will Alabama be able to? Because right now, I think their road to get in is tougher because guess who it has to go through? Georgia. Georgia, yeah. And I I just, it's going to be a challenge. I, I don't know if their offense can do much against them because they haven't really had. Uh, the challenge, and it's going to be interesting to see. how I mean, Georgia's offense. I mean, it's a big question mark. They've been efficient, but they haven't really played anybody.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, people are saying that Alabama is going to beat Georgia, and I just like haven't seen anything. I just don't that think they, so right now. Even without the Texas A and M loss, I didn't see it. So um, Georgia legitimately scares me. Um, but can they uh, score thirty points against Ohio State's See the defense? thing like we're assuming Can't we score thirty points I just, against I was just their about to defense. say that. Like we're assuming That's the thing. we I think first to thirty wins that game. I think I think it's hard for anyone to keep us under 30, but like if anyone could, it would be them. It would be them, yeah. I think
1: that if I had to if I had to predict a score for an Ohio State Georgia game right now, the winner wins by six. And it's either like 24-18 or 30-24. 24.
0: I could see that. I think that's fair.
1: And uh, I mean, Ryan Day doesn't settle for field goals, so I don't know how they'd get 18. Uh, but I do know how they'd get 30. Safety. Yeah. That's my prediction. I, think- I, I don't know. That's a national championship I won. I think that would be the best
0: national championship this year. That'd be the best national championship we've had in a long time.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's fun because that game would be like opposites.
0: Yeah, the, the best offense in the country versus the best defense in the country.
1: You don't get to see that too often. Nope. So uh, to close out the show, because uh, we're running long, but, I mean, you guys have a whole week to listen to this one, uh, Friday and then all the way to next Friday. So uh, keys to the second half going into that for you. Uh, let's go with three quick keys,
0: one offense, one defense, and then one for the whole team. Um, offense, just keep doing what you're doing, honestly. Um, it's clicking. Don't out, I'll I'll keep it simple. Don't outsmart yourself. That's offense. Defense, keep improving. Like, it's not a specific key, but just keep improving. And then overall for the team, I just need effort. Uh, especially because we talked a lot about defensive effort, but the offensive effort wasn't there either. I just need that effort and that hunger. Um, and I think if that happens, that's like you know, it's going to be a, a really good year.
1: Yeah, I like those ones. Uh, for my keys on offense, I I want to see. So the first half, I, I think they've done great at discovering the schemes that work for them. Uh, I want to see them finally just physically impose their will on a team. Uh, I want I just want to see a dominant game where it just feels like the offense beat the crap out of someone. You don't really see that often, you know, anymore. But I think if they could show that physical edge, especially on the offensive line where the, the quarterback isn't getting touched in the pass game, where the running back is getting nine yards before he's even touched. And it's not because of the running back. That's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see walls, man. And then defensively, I want to see a pass rush. If we could get a consistent pass rush, I don't care how they do it, if it's stunts, if it's blitzes, if it's the defensive end's magically developing uh, pass rush moves outside of a bull rush and then like a dip and rip type thing, uh, whatever it takes to get sacks, because the one way Ohio State's going to really dominate these games against these sticks of quarterbacks, the Cade McNamara's, the Payton Thorns, these guys who aren't athletes, is dominant pass rush. <laughs> And then for the entire team, I just think it is – you said effort. I think I'm in that same boat. Effort. uh, I'm going to go with – since you said effort, I'm going to go with continuing to develop inside the scheme. If every every player can just continue to be their best in their role, by the time Ohio State has to take on a Penn State, by the time they – have to take on Nebraska and Lincoln. By the time they have to continue to do that, uh, it's all going to make them more battle-tested for the bigger games as the slate increases and the pressure increases on the team
0: yeah I like that because I think that adds a couple of things for both sides for the offense it's like that keep adding that creativity that one little wrinkle each week and for the defense it's what we kind of talked about this last game keep expanding like again we don't expect you to get to cover six and cover nine and that kind of stuff but expand your your blitz package expand your ability to disguise and like you said perfectly keep growing in your individual role so that you're good at more and we are not looking at you like this guy's only good at pass rush and this guy's only good at defending the run up the middle and this guy's only good at defending the pass so I think uh, you said that perfectly like keep developing within the scheme
1: and I think those keys will net Ohio State a national championship and I think you agree so uh, if that does happen and they do follow our keys to success I expect to be on staff in some semblance of a role yeah Hire me. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed our off season or not off season. Sorry about that. Our uh, bye week, open week, idle week, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't really care. It's a bye week to me. Uh, I don't have to record an instant recap on Saturday, so it's a break for me as well. And uh, lastly, uh, I'm just excited for the stretch run. It's it's here. It's time. This is when us as college football fans, this is when it actually gets real
0: yeah the only thing that's not exciting about the stretch run is that it's already midway through October yeah this season's flown by (laughs) yeah like everything like I'm excited about everything else except that I'm gonna blink and it's gonna be December and that's and we're gonna
1: be talking about the season wrapping up and that's gonna
0: suck uh, Yep. (laughs) but yeah
1: (laughs) yep. that is I mean that's the curse I mean we have so much fun during it that we forget to always enjoy it
0: so take take it from us. Enjoy this bye week. Enjoy the rest of the season. Um I know it's, you know, not typical for you fans, but uh try not to try not to like worry about everything. Like enjoy the moment a little bit. Not everything has to be And this is from someone who likes to argue and talk trash about rankings and stuff, but I do it a lot of times out of jokes. Like don't take rankings personally. Don't take Don't think about the playoffs every second of every day. Like don't think about all the bad stuff, you know, just be happy.
1: Yeah. Enjoy the fact that you have a college football team in contention still to reach all the goals you wanted them to at the beginning of the season. So you have bragging rights among all your friends. (laughs) Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. And you guys will have this show to enjoy until we meet again next Friday to preview Indiana, God, I'm getting tired. This show's this shows taking it out of me. But, yeah, we appreciate you guys sticking with us to the end. As always, where can we find you on
0: social media, Jordan? Uh, you can find me at JordanW330. Uh, you can find me on this podcast, The Instant Recap and The i70 Show. Big thoughts and the occasional article that I write when I have a chance.
1: And then, yep, you guys can find me at Chris Rennie CFB on Twitter. And then you can find the show at PuckoffPond. And you can find me on the Instant Recap Podcast as well as this one. Also writing two articles a week: the film review, the game from Saturday, and the film preview, the game the upcoming Saturday. And then lastly, make sure you subscribe to the Land Grant Holy Land Podcast feed so you never miss a show. Uh, tons of shows. We've got our show. We've got Jordan's other show, I seventy show. We've got the instant recap. We've got hangout in the Holy Land. We've got in conversation. We've got play like a girl. There's just so many different shows you can listen to at all times. Uh, all of them with different opinions, different takes, and we all enjoy having your guys's feedback. So give us some ratings, give us some reviews, and. We will see you guys next time getting ready for Indiana. Enjoy your off week. Yes, sir. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.